With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, it's Doug Gottlieb. You know, our trusted partner, TireRack.com, for fast, free shipping, free roadhouse protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of the best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Goodyear Assurance Weather Ready. But did you know they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Everything you need to elevate your drive, simply go to TireRack.com slash sports. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Boom! What up, America? Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Coming today from the uh, steamy city of Tulsa, Oklahoma. Just got done spoking, speaking to a bunch of high school and some college coaches. I am so happy to be here with you. Man, we have a great sports weekend. And uh, we are ready for an incredible week of shows. Thanks so much for listening. If you listen on our any of our terrestrial radio stations, and if you're asking, what's a terrestrial station? I didn't know when I started doing radio 15 years ago. I didn't really didn't. That, that's just like regular radio stations, right? Uh, also, your iHeartRadio app or SiriusXM Channel 83. Thanks so much uh, for listening. And, of course, you can always download the podcast of this show. Just go to foxboardtreated.com to iTunes or wherever you download podcasts. Just type in Doug Gottlieb. It'll be there for you. Um, the We got subtraction by addition in the NBA. 
We have a weird story in the NFL with Josh Gordon I want to get to. And um, uh, we have the, the LeBron mural, which everybody is making these bombastic statements about graffiti being graffitied. <laughs> it just, my head wants to explode. We'll get to that upcoming in the show. Plus, Brian Scalabrini will join us. My man Ryan Burr from the Golf Channel. Ryan Leaf will join us. And Jason LaCamphora in, oh, 15 minutes or so. We'll try and figure out what's what in regards to this Josh Gordon situation. I want to start with what dominated most of your minds yesterday, the sports world yesterday, and leaves us with a little bit of an empty feeling. Eldrick Tiger Woods. Now, look, if you thought he was going to be back, back, um, uh, okay, I think that's unrealistic for anybody to be where he was a decade ago. But for 42 years old, having a couple of back surgeries, having Achilles tendon surgery, having a knee surgery, being a divorcee, having been declared legally dead by many in the golf community, Tiger Woods is, well, as close to being back as he may ever be. Well, maybe not as close, but he's one step away. Uh, there are stages to things. This we know, right? There's well, there's a twelve step program, right? That's when you're an alcoholic or an addict. You got to admit that you're powerless over the drug. You got to come to believe in the power greater than yourself could restore uh, that to sanity. There's twelve step twelve step programs. There's also different stages of grief. There's seven stages of grief: shock, denial, anger, bargaining, depression testing and acceptance. Once you get to acceptance, you understand you can you can finally move past it. Seven stages of grief. By our estimation, there are four stages of the Tiger Woods comeback and he is in stage 3. Right? Stage 1 is a return to playing. Stage 2 was being healthy for an entire 4 days. Stage 3 is top 10 contention at a major and stage 4 is winning winning and it is hard to move from stage three to stage four and as much as as much as we want to sit there and tell you that uh that other guys are over him because francisco marinari ended up winning the open championship the fact is that tiger being atop the leaderboard changes everything everything in the sport it makes it more watchable and all those dudes that called out Tiger Woods previously and said they're not scared of him. Many of them seem to be scared of him at the time. Here's Tiger when the whole golf world and Twitter world and sports world shook, shook, because he took a share of the lead at nine. Tiger rolls this forward and in, in. There's a great certainty about him today. You'll remember the days in the past when he almost willed putts into the hole. Well, that seems to be what he's doing today, Ray. So he stays after his front nine, seven under par. He's picked up sh- two shots today, and he's at the top of the leaderboard along with Chauvelet. I mean, incredible. And then, of course, the flop out of the out of the bunker at 10. Here was when it came apart at 11. Potter goes back, ball is on his way. Has it jumped a little bit? And it did. I feel that putt jumped a little bit. Unfortunately, Tiger Woods will make a double bogey on 11, and he'll move back to five under par for the championship. So Tiger Woods ends up finished sixth. And you can sit here and tell me all you want uh, 
that he'll never be back. Of course he's not going to be what he was at 30. No man at 42 is going to be what they were at 30, especially when you've had this many surgeries. He's never going to be as dominant as he was in his prime. But for Tiger Woods, who less than a year ago wasn't walking, let alone swinging a golf club, I think we need to have some perspective. In fact, Tiger himself seemed to have some perspective that so many of us lack. That's what's crazy about it. We're reacting. We're holding Tiger to uh, to this kind of ridiculously crazy notion that he's supposed to win multiple majors every year because that's what he asked us to hold him to back in his prime. Judge me by my majors. But that's not where he is now in his career. It's just not. In fact, he said it himself. It's going to sting for a little bit here. But from where I was to where I am, I'm blessed. Tiger Woods has something that you can only have if you've seen the bottom, and that's perspective. It's perspective. You don't want to believe it. You don't want to think it's true. You don't want to think that the new Tiger is the real Tiger. You want to think he's hopping from Perkins to Perkins looking for a waitress to shtup. But the fact is that here's a dude that's seen the bottom. Here's a dude that thought it was over because people told him it was over. And to take the lead on the ninth hole in a major on a Sunday is as close to being back as he has been to this point. And it's stage three and four stages of comeback. Stage one, just hit a golf ball. Just hit a golf ball. Stage two, make it through a weekend. Stage three, get into legit contention at a major. Stage four, complete the task. It's interesting that we have this thing we do in society. We love the rise, we cheer for the fall, and we're infatuated with the comeback. That's what this guy is doing. I don't know, man. I don't know where you were yesterday, but everywhere I went, all anybody could talk about was Tiger Woods. Um, so much so that I found myself, I was watching NBC, and then they had rugby on afterwards, and I was still still kind of lost in how quickly it came and then went, and then he was kind of out of it but hanging around, and I thought there might be a chance, and then it's over, and then you're like, what just happened? And now rugby's on my TV, and I don't know why, and I don't even remember where I put the remote. This is the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Ryan Music, did you think he was going to win the whole thing? I did. I, uh, I had that hopefulness that we would see something absolutely historic, especially you know when he slowly climbed the leaderboard. And when he had the lead, there was just that sort of inkling that you had that, oh, you know, he's totally back. There's no way he could give this back up. And then, of course, as soon as he had the lead, he kind of gave it back up, but... I was definitely uh, naive enough to think that it was done, even though they were only halfway through the final day. Yeah, it was one bunker shot ended up keeping him in the lead, and then another bunker shot that was similar ended up uh, ultimately uh, having the league fizzle away. What about you, Ramos? Were you into it? Uh, most definitely. I was watching it, and uh, I thought he would, he would pull it out. I know Dan told me that the last four holes were really going to be really tough. Uh, so I figured it was going to be tough for him to hold that lead. I knew it wasn't going to be easy, but um, he, he hung in there. So it was it was a good day for Tiger and for the Open. Awesome. Awesome. I, look, I, I just uh, 
I, I thought it was it was awesome for golf. Um, I, I thought, you know, Rory making a run, um, you know, Spieth being around. It's it's fascinating to me on how and look a guy who none of us had really considered or thought about enough uh, ends up winning the thing. Right? We're all we're all drawn to top big name names, um, but I I do think that Tiger is a guy who can be the rising tide lips all ships. Otherwise, golf is a secondary, maybe even tertiary sport. But the idea, the story of the comeback, the story of the rise, the story of the fall, the story of the comeback, not only is he fighting off all of these younger players, he's also fighting off age and battling back from injuries and personal defeat. I don't know. I mean, you have to be an ultimate Tiger hater to have not gotten on board yesterday. Uh, more on that to come. NFL training camps are underway. We'll discuss what's going on in Cleveland. Interesting, kind of bizarre, maybe sad, maybe good story with Josh Gordon. Um, up, uh, we've all had bad days in the golf course. Sadly, it's not always easy to find a way to fix your golf game, but it's easy to find a way to check your engine light with AutoZone. With the free AutoZone Fix Finder tool, You'll find the likely issue, saving you money down the road. Get in the zone, auto zone. What, what is going on with Josh Gordon? Also, is there a quarterback competition in Baltimore? We'll catch up with Jason LaCanfora next. Get rewarded with Snapshot from Progressive. It's simple. Plug in Snapshot, drive, and earn discounts for safe driving. Save more at Progressive.com or call 1-800-PROGRESSIVE. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Jim Harbaugh and Scott Frost, both proponents of something that cannot happen in the near future and likely isn't going to happen in the midterm future. I'll tell you what, that is upcoming. Uh, Let's welcome in from CBS Sports. He joins us throughout the NFL season. He is an incredible wealth of knowledge. Read his work at CBSSports.com. Follow him on Twitter. You can see him on Inside the NFL on CBS. He's Jason LaCanfora. He joins us here on the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Let's start with the Josh Gordon story as he's going to go seek treatment for his mental health, mental health care. Part of his treatment plan, he says, um, and the Browns are saying, the NFL is saying, others are saying he didn't fail a test, but it, it does seem like odd timing. Tell me what you hear is going on in, in Baltimore. I mean, in Cleveland, sorry. Yeah, yeah uh, I mean, it's, it's an unusual situation, to say the least, but he's someone who at this point is going to know himself better than ever and better than anyone else, and he's obviously been dealing with various stages of recovery and rehab for a long time and he and from what i've gathered uh, those close to him who are advising him and and those who are trying to keep him on the straight and narrow feel as if right now maybe going to an nfl training camp isn't the best thing uh possible for him and and remember because of the way the nfl's i would say somewhat draconian policies work he has been doing the bulk of his recovery away from his teammates he's been barred from that facility you know for for, if you add it all up probably literally for years if you go out you know go through the totality of his suspensions and whatnot so um maybe there's something about that setting that that's he or others feel like wouldn't be best for him right now 
Um, I, I don't know. A lot of this, I, I'm sure, is privilege between he and the medical professionals he's working with. But, again, the Browns, and I've reached out, they seem okay with this. They seem to think this is probably the best thing for him short and long term. Um, I don't know of any timetable that exists. It is certainly odd. And at various times I've been surprised that the Browns haven't just said, you know what, we've, we've kind of gone down this road far enough and, and we're ready to move on. But from what I hear, they're not. Um, but but I think anybody trying to wager or guess or handicap what the future looks like for Josh Gordon, um, I don't know how you would do it because nothing really to this point has been the normal or anything close to a normal NFL NFL path. So I, I don't know, Doug. I, I, I'd be lying if I said I know exactly what this means, but he's not, he's not in jeopardy of being cut. He's not on the precipice or, or, you know, from what I'm told, in jeopardy of being suspended, but apparently, at least right now, needs more time continuing to do what he's doing away from the facility. Yeah, it, it, it strikes me as odd only in that I would have thought, and again, I don't know enough about, about his addiction and about how he's being treated and about his anxiety. Uh, I am sensitive to that. But I would have thought that being around a team would have been a good thing, right? Like you, that I just I would have thought being around training camp and having other things in your life, you know, to participate in, to motivate you, I would have thought that was a really good thing. Even if he knows himself and he feels the urges coming on, I almost felt like that would have been a better path than removing yourself from the facility. Yeah, I, it's, it's, it's difficult to say. I don't know if something about a locker room right now he feels would trigger the worst in him. You know, now I'm really going down the road of pretending sure. to be, you know, armchair Ziggy Freud. But the fact that, the you know, at least for now the Browns are supporting him, I'm going to take as, you know, I'm going to take every sort of everybody at their word, and we'll see. You know, now three weeks from now, who knows? You know what I mean? Things may have changed with him, with them, with the overall situation. Um, at a certain point, he's missed so much time playing football. If you're truly going to be able to count on him and, and start banking on him and making him a part of what you hope will be, you know, arguably the much, most needed rebound season in the history of professional sports, given what the last two years have been like for them, then, you know, you're, you're, you may have to reach a, a cut bait point or, or what have you. But, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It could be something about that locker room set, you know, setting or, or that group of individuals that maybe isn't great yeah. for him right now it obviously is going to lead a, it's so open-ended right and there's so few details here that people will, will probably speculate and, and pontificate in, in a bunch of different ways about this i'm not going to pretend that i know enough about it to really do it you know as of now it's not a problem for the league it's not a problem for the browns and i would just say you know we'll see how long that's the case would they would they add somebody like a des bryant to fill his roster spot I don't think there would be an, an immediate need. I mean, the reality is, as much as, you know, he was around there in the spring and he did some stuff, you know, and, and, and seemed to be on the right path, I, I don't think anyone could truly write in in pen, here's our four, you know, he, barring injury, here, here's what our best projections for our 53 and our game day 45, and have him entrenched as, you know, wide receiver one. I, I think John Dorsey has been around the block long enough to know, um, even though he just got there, it's well chronicled what, you know, what Josh Gordon's career has been. I, I don't think that, that he and Hugh Jackson are sitting down there and planning out their season 
saying, okay, this we're definitely going to get 16 weeks of John, Josh Gordon, and he's going to be at an elite level. There, there's too much unpredictability there and too many variables with him in particular. So I, I don't think it's like we've got to go out and get a, another veteran receiver right now. And the reality is this is still very much going to be a rebuilding season for the Cleveland Browns, and especially someone like Dez with, with such little upside. I, I don't know how much he would really make sense for them. I think, if anything else, it's just it's, it's more time for the Corey Coleman's of the world. Some of these guys are going to have to develop to see the ball. That's the voice of Jason Lockhamphora from CBS Sports. He joins us here on the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Some interesting quotes out of Baltimore over the last week or so. Uh, Joe Flacco was, commented, was quoted as saying, you know, he didn't think there would be any sort of quarterback controversy, quarterback talk, because he thought they would win. And talk from his offensive coordinator saying, look, man, he really is moving around well. Um, sometimes when, when people put out statements to try and take us away from something we think might happen, it, it almost makes me feel the opposite. What do you think brewing in Baltimore? That's an organization you know a ton about. I was there all day Thursday, all day Friday, and Friday was when Joe talked to the media. So I was there for the entirety of that press briefing. And if you saw the whole thing, and he's been asked a ton of Lamar Jackson questions since the moment the trade happened, and I think overwhelmingly he's handled it with grace and a plum. But you know he'd been asked a three or you know two or three questions, and then someone you know I won't say totally in jest, but you know was kind of like, hey man, when are you going to get sick of answering questions about Lamar Jackson? And that's when he's like, you know, hey, I don't I don't think we're going to reach that point because I think I'm going to play really well and we're going to win a lot of games, and essentially it's going to be a moot point, and, and just where the room was right there and how he said it. It wasn't tongue-in-cheek. I mean, he meant it, but there was no malice or ill will in it. And um, he is in better shape than I've seen him in years, and he is fully healthy for the first time in years. And he's, his football mortality, at least in Baltimore, is staring him straight in the face. And he need only look over to Kansas City a year ago and call up Alex Smith, who's right down the road in Washington now, to see that no matter what he does this year, he may be elsewhere. So I think he, he's kind of turning over a bit of a, of a new leaf, and not that things have ever really got to him. He's always been Joe Cool. But I, I think there's almost a, a, certain, um, a certain new air about him where, you know, he's accomplished a lot and he understands the end might be near here no matter what, and he's going to go about things his way and, and try to leave a positive impression one way or the other. I think he'll play very well. I also think Lamar Jackson is going to be on the field as soon as week one because there, he, he is such an overwhelmingly freakish athlete that if you can't find a few plays for him every week to help you win a football game, then you're not really trying. And they are already trying. And there are, they are installing a lot of RPOs that, yeah, Joe can run them too, but by golly, the backup can probably run them better. Yeah, I, I, my thing is, like, look, I talked to a lot of NFL people, and they're like, he is a freak athlete. You should get him on the field. But he's not a quarterback. He's not close to being a quarterback yet in the NFL. Like, there's a reason that 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 though they lo- they lo- they love him and love what he could be. Like, isn't he better off being a slash for a while while he while he refines the other parts of his game? Well, I think in these packages where he's on the field, sometimes he'll be on the field with Joe Flacco, and there's certainly parts in their scheme where he won't, and he will just be the best quarterback on their roster to win this particular down and distance against this particular defense with this particular score on the board. Um, I don't think anybody's going to be rushing to develop him. They're not going to be throwing, um, throwing him into the deep end or anything like that, but I do think they will be meeting him in the middle and, and finding out what he does best and making that a part of their offense. Because, look, if Joe Flacco, 
I mean, we can sit here and talk about all this till we're blue in the face. Joe Flacco wasn't supposed to play his rookie year, right? They had three other quarterbacks on the roster, and they were still feeling out Kyle Bowler. You know, and then he got hurt, and then Troy Smith had, like, an appendectomy or whatever, and Joe Flacco started week one. You know, Carson Wentz was never supposed to play. He was going to sit, and they had Sam Bradford, who were paying $18 million to win him some games. So uh, things are going to have a way of shaking out, and he may have to play sooner, or he, he may not start a game at all this year. But he's being groomed to be their next quarterback. And I suspect the starting part of it happens in earnest by next year because as well, however well Flacco plays, I have a hard time thinking he's going to count you know, another $26 million against the cap next year. Um, all right, let's, the, uh, a, a couple other kind of little house-cleaning issues as we get ready for camp. Uh, David Johnson ended a contract holdout, but, I mean, did he really hold out? This is just... Yeah, I mean, he skipped a minicamp. I mean, that's, you know... I don't even know if he can really dub it a I mean, it's a holdout in so much as he missed three days of, of um, mandatory stuff, so there's some fines there. And he's been, look, he's been hurt the last two years. I love David Johnson. Anybody who plays fantasy football understands what an incredible freak all-around athlete, all-around running back he is. But, I mean, it's hard to give a guy new money when you haven't seen him play in so long. Yeah, I mean, you got to look at what this injury was, though. You know what I mean? It's not, it wasn't a, uh, a knee, it wasn't a neck. It, you know, he broke his arm, right? I mean, it was... Yep, it, wrist or whatever. Know, so, that's, you know, it sucks and the timing of it sucks, but... It's not like you have to worry about his explosiveness and quick twitch or anything like that. It didn't involve muscles, ligaments. But I, I hear you. The problem for David Johnson was, you know, I get it. It was a calculated gamble that they made saying, well, let's just not, let's not open ourselves up to any risk. And we're going to find out on July 15th whether Le'Veon Bell gets his $16, $17 million a year. And if he does, then we're going to negotiate off of that, and we'll have a little bit of a, I won't say a bully pulpit, but we may come into camp with a little bit of leverage. Now, obviously... Le'Veon Bell got offered, you know, $16 million over two and $15 million a year over three, but he didn't sign it. So it's hard to negotiate off an offer that, you know what I mean, no, no one's actually seen it in writing and, you know, it, it, are all those numbers correct? And, it, it, and to your point, he's coming in hurt. So then it's a matter of, well, do we do something like just for $10 million now and, and sell low on ourselves, or do we show up, ball out, we know Bell's going to get paid next year. They can't franchise him three times. And, you know, bank on by next March, the, the running back market has drastically shifted. And somebody gave Le'Veon Bell, you know, 17 a year, including north of $35 million guaranteed. Yeah, I guess, I guess one of the things that's interesting is Le'Veon, Le'Veon Bell, who's a tremendous all-around back, but he's trying to sell the world on his overall versatility and that's why he should be paid at a, le- a level commensurate with, you know, higher than and running back. My point is twofold. One, I, I think they're arguing the, the 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 merits of the franchise tag being position position based, and that's something that needs to be discussed with the union, not with teams. But this idea that he's the only all around back. We mentioned David Johnson when he's healthy, he catches out of the backfield. Todd Gurley, he had I think it was sixty four catches last year, like. Look, they, they, all the really good ones can catch it out of the backfield, can run it out of the backfield, and can block. Otherwise, they wouldn't be every down running backs, and he's getting top five of that money. He's trying to say that he's more than just a running back, but the truth is that's what the best running backs do. Yeah, and, and look, all he has to do is eventually get one team to buy that argument, and we've got a new precedent whether the rest of the league likes it or not. I mean, we just went through this with Kirk Cousins and the guaranteed money. Do I think... 
32 teams, cap jumps again next year because it's going to, and people have more money than they spend, that somebody gives him the numbers I just talked about, that somebody gives him 35 million over the first two years, 52 over three, and they guarantee 38 million of it. It only takes one team to do it. So I think it's possible, and then once it happens, the Gurleys and the Johnsons fall in line, and I'm with you. That, that's the big three. I, I don't know how many other guys are, are you know, anywhere close to jumping into that stratosphere. It just takes one person to buy your argument. Um, and I hear the merits of it. Also, though, if you go and break down some of the Le'Veon Bell numbers, their win-loss record with him and without him would be surprising to a lot of people. So would their overall gross offensive yardage per play with him and without him. But he, he clearly is, is special. And, and look, he, he, he almost got it with Pittsburgh, and he wasn't able to negotiate with anybody else. I mean, I'm telling you, you know, $45 million over the first three years. Now, not as much of it guaranteed as he would like, but still, that's not chump change, and that was there at a time when they were the only team he could talk right. to. So, now there's big ifs. Well, that, that's J- Jason. Out of trouble. J- Jason, it's a great point you make up, and like Julio Jones, they never bring this up. Like, guys get front-loaded contracts, and the, the per-year salary is low at the back end of it, and then they get upset and they make the argument, hey, look yeah. at how little I'm paid. It could be like, look, dude, you got overpaid in the first couple of years, and we didn't cut you on the back end of that deal. Like, the, the, the idea that it, I, I do, look, I, I respect that NFL players put themselves out there. I understand their, their careers are not as long as, as others. But, but some of the it's outright lies that they tell in terms of, hey, we don't get any guaranteed money. Yes, you do. It's just not as mu- much as you'd like. And using the what we're making this year and completely forgetting being overpaid in the early stage of the contract, to me, is so disingenuous that it's hard for some fans that pay attention to really get behind their argument. Well, and I think that's where you you have to delineate the difference between an Aaron Donald and Odell Beckham, who I'm putting to the left side of the ledger, and you brought up Julio to the right. Julio made a calculated decision a few years back that, you know what, these guys could make me play through a fifth-year option, and then i got to worry about franchise tag two straight years, and they could squat on me, and that's going to be a long time before I truly get to hit the open market. So let me get some big-time money in my pocket now. Let me take that second bite at the apple right now and give them a few years of my free agency at a rate that I might, I might not love four years from now, but let me, get some, let me get that bite at the apple now. Odell Beckham's never been able to negotiate a contract in his life. Aaron Donald's never been able to negotiate a you know, They come in on the rookie wage, you know, it is what it is, you're slotted, and they haven't had a chance to get paid. And, and I think people have to be cognizant of that when they start comparing all these different situations because Julio Jones already made a business decision. These guys haven't had an opportunity to make one yet. You know, they've just been functions of the system at this point. It's a it's an incredible incredible point that you make, Jason. Look forward to uh, camps getting underway. Lots of interesting discussion. Thanks so much for joining us, and we'll catch up soon. Always my pleasure, buddy. Have a good one. Thank you. Pleasure is absolutely mine, Jason Lockham for joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show here on Fox Sports Radio. I heard Dan Byers back. That's because I was listening to Fox Sports Radio yesterday. What a what a great wellspring of information, especially in regards to the world of golf. Let's catch up with Dan Byer, find out what else is going on. Dan, what do you got? Doug, you know what it's like when you're just lucky to be on the air when something special was happening and while Tiger didn't win, 
feel fortunate enough to have been on the air when he took that lead to go to seven under par when you played the highlight a bit earlier. A lot of fun yesterday, and hopefully it'll be a lot of fun for the next few years with Tiger in contention. I'll have some interesting Tiger news in a sec. You talked a lot of NFL, so let me pass this hoop stuff along. Carmelo Anthony reportedly will sign with the Houston Rockets in the upcoming days, according to the New York Times. He'll get the veterans minimum of $2.4 million on a one-year deal with Houston. The only thing that has to happen, well, that trade still needs to be finalized, sending him to the Hawks from Oklahoma City, and then he has to clear waivers, but then he'll be a member of the Houston Rockets. Mets minor leaguer Tim Tebow, yes, the outfielder, done for the season. He'll undergo surgery tomorrow for a broken bone in his hand, according to ESPN. So that means no call-up to the big leagues for Tim Tebow. American swimmer Ryan Lochte has been banned from competition for a year for taking an IV of vitamins in May. And Doug, television ratings on NBC for the final round of the Open Championship yesterday matched the largest rating since 2000 when Tiger won the Grand Slam at St. Andrews 18 years ago. They matched the 5.0 rating that was broadcast in 2006 when he won at Royal Liverpool. TV ratings yesterday were up 38% from a year ago when Jordan Spieth won at Royal Burkdale. Um, a couple questions for you here. Uh, the Lochte thing is so odd. Do you guys know what this comes from? Do you guys, have you read the story? He, he actually used social media and like I think he tweeted out that he was getting a blood transfusion and there was nothing illegal in the transfusion that he got. But the fact that he got a blood transfusion over like 100 milliliters was more than you're allowed to get as a swimmer. So he was automatically served with the suspension, which really has no effect on his ability to uh, uh, to compete in the next Olympics, something he wants to make it for. But it was just it was like he was telling on himself for nothing but something that was illegal. That was, it was just the whole thing is so weird. It just looks like it. Maybe, maybe, what would it be? What would be a, a comparable thing? Would it be like maybe somebody in Major League Baseball? Um, you know, you know, you know it, like this, this is what it felt like. Of- this is what it felt like to me. It felt to me like um, like a uh, uh, a a B a, like a a mid level violation in the NCAA. Like yeah, and knowing you're going to get dinged from it, but knowing you weren't going to get any postseason ban. Sure. Or my buddy Scott Stallings, he turned himself in for like. PEDs, even though it, it, it was like one of those, he fell on his sword for no reason when they weren't going to test him for it or something. Sure. I, I just, the whole maybe, thing is weird. Maybe it's like an NFL video when a DB's like hitting out here in May when you're not supposed to hit. You know, like, could it be something like that when you're, you're like, hey, look at all the work we're putting in, but I'm not supposed to tackle the guy because there's supposed to be no contact and now our team's going to be five $500,000. Maybe similar to that, uh, you know? I don't know. Maybe not. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, I'm not really. Uh, not Feeling really sure. Doug, yeah. Um, uh, okay. So, so Dan, did you do you think he was going to win when he took the lead at nine? I did. Do you think he was going to win? Yeah, I did. I thought he was going to post a score, and he had a par five up ahead. The last four holes are tricky. Eighteen played a lot easier because it was downwind, and, and some of those holes were were easier than they had been in the past. But I thought if he posted eight under, it would have been very difficult for another player to. At least beat him. Maybe catch him, but at least beat him. So when he got to seven under, I thought, all right, he's got a birdie hole on a par five coming up. All he's got to do is par in. Yeah. Yeah, and that didn't that obviously then he doubled yep. on nine and, and uh I mean well, just doubled on eleven and that was that was all yeah. she wrote. And Doug, the, um, the shot on ten was so amazing. 
but we tend to forget how he got there in the first place. So maybe a bit of the unraveling came on the tee shot on 10 where he put himself in the bunker and hit that miraculous recovery that was just amazing to watch. And then, yeah, you had the three over in the next two holes. Mm-hmm. It's still a great watch and a fascinating tournament. And uh, it makes for like now we want to play PGA golf. One last kind of golf question for you. Uh, this is what I've been told by my golf guys, which is, you know, in this in this era to which they're really struggling to create golf courses and use some of these old golf courses with the distance that guys are are hitting the balls. Uh, that the best way to kind of settle it, the best test of golf is these link style golf course. Do you buy into that? Yes, I, I do. And I think it was interesting to see how Carnoustie played. Like there were still challenges out there, Doug. And when the wind picked up, and that's usually the defense at, at Lynx golf courses, sure. the, the course, heck, the, the winning score 18 years ago was a plus six. You know, you know, so this you, you had two different scores on two different courses, yet I don't think anybody would say yesterday was a cakewalk by any means coming home. So even though it played completely different than it did 18 years ago with thick rough, yeah, it is uh, it is a really, really good test. Okay, so now um, the, the PGA is um, uh, in St. Louis. What's it? Um... Bell Reeve. Bell Reeve, yeah. yeah. So like what's the weeks. setup of Bell Reeve? I'm not too familiar with it because it hasn't hosted a major championship, but I think it's a, a tree lined course and I, I think it's yeah. a it's a classic yep. it's more of a it's interesting that the US Open has played more of these link style courses mm-hmm. and now the PGA is kind of going to old US Open style courses. Yes. A little bit. Not yeah. all of it, but a little bit. And Bell Reeve is that Bell Reeve is like a it's like a classic country club. Yes, yes, and your your point is next year at Bethpage Black in May when the PGA Championship is, Bethpage got put on the map because it was a U.S. Open. U.S. Open course, yeah, yeah. Yeah, twice had it, and now it's in the PGA rotation as is courses like Olympic Club, also Tree Line Course in San Francisco. That'll jump over to the PGA in about 10 years. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. Fa- fascinating because people who followed golf, the U.S. Open used to play U.S.-style golf, whereas the PGA used to be one of the easier, a little bit easier setup than the u.s open and now that it's it's not that the u.s open is an easier setup it was obviously really tricked up this year uh playing out at shinnecock anyway isaiah thomas wanted to return to the celtics before signing with the nuggets is that a big deal a little deal or no deal i'll tell you next car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price list price and invoice price true car shows what other people paid for the car you want so you can recognize a good price when you're ready to buy a new or used car visit true car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience Mm-mm-mm. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Man, we got a lot to get to. Like Isaiah Thomas, who once again keeps talking and talking and talking. Um, uh, let's uh, let's play a game. This is game time. It's game time on the Doug Gottlieb Show. <laughs> What's the game today? The game today is, Doug. Big deal, little deal, no deal. All right. Big deal, little deal, or no deal that Isaiah Thomas had a talk with Celtics GM Danny Ainge about returning to Boston before he eventually signed with the Denver Nuggets. Uh, That feels like a big deal, right? When he came back on bended knee and said, I'll do anything because I just, I love my time there. The, The one question I would have, and look, they've obviously moved on. They have an incredible depth of guards. You know, Terry Rozier is Terry Rozier is their fourth guard. 
Um, and I, 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 we can like we can break down as to why they decided. But that feels like a big deal that a guy who was the MVP candidate that the Celtics had a chance to get on the cheap and didn't want to take him back. That's a big deal. Woj said that the relationship that was strained was somewhat repaired, but the Celtics had to figure out Marcus Smart first. So then IT just ended up signing with the Nuggets. Uh, big deal, little deal, or no deal, Doug. That 13-year-old LeBron James Jr. and his AAU team took an unofficial visit to Duke over the weekend, getting a tour of their facilities. Uh, I think they also won the national championship, didn't they? One of his, one of his teams won the national championship. Man, might even won too. Um, that feels like a little deal. Little deal. Uh, you'll, they'll, if, they're gonna, if he's going to be out in Los Angeles, remember those are kids from Ohio. Now he's going to be out in Los Angeles, and everyone's going to want, want him. The, the question becomes, by then will you have to go to college? Will you have to go to college for a year, for two years? And will LeBron James, if his son becomes good enough, want to play long enough to play with his son in the NBA? Not, not crazy to think he has that type of longevity, but I don't think visiting at whatever it is, 13 years old, is that much, that much of a game changer. Big deal, little deal, or no deal that Dirk Nowitzki has signed his one-year deal with the Mavericks, making it official. The 40-year-old becomes the first player in NBA history to play 21 consecutive seasons with the same team. Yeah, a- I mean, it's a big deal. Anytime you say first player ever, it becomes a yeah, big deal. Yeah, true. When it's Dirk, uh, yeah, even more so maybe. All right, let's switch gears to baseball. Big deal, little deal, or no deal that Brewer fans applauded and cheered pitcher Josh Hader on Saturday in his first appearance since it was discovered that he sent homophobic and racist tweets when he was 17 years old. I I honestly think this is a little deal. Um, I understand that there's a portion of us that want to say, like, you're a racist, you're a horrible human being. I didn't like the tweets. I don't think he liked the tweets. He was also 17. If I had Twitter when I was 17, I wouldn't have this job today. I, I wouldn't. It doesn't mean I was a racist at the time. I wasn't. Uh, would I have tweeted something out that was considered sexist at the time? Probably. Probably. I mean, just a lot of things that had I done it when I was 17. I, I honestly think that there's at least a portion of people, and I don't know how many, because I, I didn't get a chance to poll those people. A portion of people that stood up and cheered him, not because of anything he said, or in tw- on anything he tweeted, because of the fact that he owned it. He's like, yeah, that was me. You know? Mm-hmm. I, you know, I didn't delete any of them. That was me. I was 17. My bad. And we need more of that instead of people avoiding and lying and saying that they were hacked. Big deal, little deal, or no deal that Mets minor league outfielder Tim Tebow will undergo surgery tomorrow for a broken bone in his hand and will reportedly miss the rest of the season. It's a big deal. He was going to get called up. That was the the growing thought in baseball was he was going to get called up, and I think that's a big deal. And it was the big news last week, Doug, while we sat in for you. It was revealed, big deal, little deal, or no deal, that John Ramos has hired a pitching coach for his six-year-old son, Lucas. Really? Yes. Is that a big deal, little deal, or no deal? Uh, it's kind of a little deal. Most people have. You, you want somebody who knows what they're doing to show your kid how to throw a ball right. Six years old is a little young. This is game time on the Doug Gottlieb show. Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox sports radio. It's, um, yeah, six is a little young, but you do, you want, uh, I I guess, does John not know how to throw a baseball? Like what you want to do is, and you do, you don't want to get a kid up there and have him once they start pitching, which is like seven or eight, they start actually throwing. You don't want a kid throwing with improper form because they can hurt, you know, you can hurt yourself. John, you know how to throw a baseball, though, right? Like, you don't throw a baseball like the, the Volkswagen ad guy, do you? No, no. I just want mechanics. Uh, you know, he's not throwing him sliders and curveballs. It's just, just throwing proper mechanics. That's all. Mm. 
Okay, I don't think it's crazy, uh, but I do think it's a it's a smidge young, just a just a just a smidge smidge young. Uh, coming up next, there's one way to beat the Warriors, and LeBron James is starting to realize that. I'll explain next in the Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. What up, Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Do, 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 Short game or long game, right? That's what you have to decide in business. Short game or long game. You got to decide these things. And if you do... I think you know you have the you have the chance, you have the honest to goodness chance to um, really figure out um, what your plan is for success. We talk about this all the time in this show. This idea that everyone is going to win a championship every time, like that that every year you go and compete to win a championship in your in that season. It's it's blasphemy. It's a lie. It's a joke. And look, you'll get you'll get people inside sports leagues that they will use these coded messages. Well, you know, only five or six teams are really trying to win. That's because there's a there's a realism to there's something very, very realistic to it. Something realistic to it. And what's realistic to it? I I think it's kind of simple. You only have certain windows of certain teams. And I think that LeBron James has, he understands it. I I saw this quote from NOLA.com, Shaquille O'Neal, who kind of like Kobe Bryant is starting to do the put him, thrust himself into this greatest of all time conversation when they weren't really in the greatest of all time conversation. Right? Like that doesn't, I would have, I would have thought because see, we all have egos, which is admitting some sort of uh, self-deprecating on some level. When I had my three rings, I wanted to get four before Kobe did. Now we got four, then Kobe got five. I didn't want Tim Duncan to get five. So I thought LeBron's process was going to be, I got three, Steph Curry's got three. I'm going to stay here, bring some people, or go to a team I can get four before Curry got four. There's a couple of parts to this which are weird. Does anybody, I love Steph Curry's game. It's not perfect, but who doesn't love Steph Curry? Does anyone consider Steph Curry in the same realm as LeBron James? I must be missing that part of it. Now, if you want to say Steph Curry has three rings and he has two MVPs, that's accurate. It would also be accurate to say he wasn't even the best player in the NBA when he won the MVPs, even even when he was unanimous MVP. He was unanimously the most valuable, but that doesn't mean best player. And when they won the last two championships, he wasn't the best player on his own team. So I sit there and I go, hold on now. Wait a second now. Take a breath now, Shaq. The idea that LeBron's sitting there going, well, how many does Steph Curry have? Love Steph. Going to go down as one of the, if not the greatest shooter shooter in the history of the NBA. On the other hand, and this is really, really important, no one's ever put him in the conversation of Michael Jordan is all-time greats. And in, in all honesty, 
even though he probably should be, he's not even in the Kobe Bryant conversation of all-time greats. The Larry Bird, the Magic Johnson. I can't tell you why. Well, I guess I could tell you why. It's obvious. It's not just defense. It's it's maybe a lack of respect for the three-point shot. We all understand it's worth a point more, but should it be worth a point more? So I, I look at this and I say, I don't really understand what Shaq's doing other than putting him into a conversation to which he may have thought he's in. And it does feel like Shaq's going like, look, it was about me and Kobe. It was about me and Kev- and Tim Duncan. Those are guys that I competed with, one, position-wise, and two, uh, on my own team for championships. That, that would be fair. But I don't think LeBron looks up in Oakland and says, Steph Curry, yeah. Look, there's a chance LeBron does think of, yeah, I could go out and try and win a fourth one. Or I could try and win a fourth, a fifth, and a sixth one. What's the best way to beat the Warriors? Well, so far, the Houston Rockets probably came the, cl- they came the closest last year with great length, defense, intensity, athleticism. And, of course, they attacked whoever filled in for Andre Godala, and they attacked Steph Curry. But it's at the defensive end. It's with physicality, with athleticism. And I'm sure that LeBron James sat there and said, yes, could I find a way to put together more parts and get there again. Here's what Shaq's missing. Could LeBron have stayed and tried to make it work in Cleveland? He could have. He could have. But the East is not, was not theirs to be had anymore. Anyone could see the writing on the wall saying the Boston Celtics, we're going to be better. So when you combine Boston being better, Philadelphia coming on strong, and Cleveland having to completely work, work, rework things in cap hell and a place he wanted. The idea of stay, staying sounded good in the short term. But the long-term play is just write it out. Write it out. Eventually, greed will take over. It always does. Eventually, an injury will happen. It almost always does. It almost derailed the Warriors this year. They lost to Andre Godala, the fifth best of the Hampton Five, and they nearly lost because of it. Even though they were far superior talent-wise to the Cleveland Cavaliers, when they didn't have Andre Godala in Game 1, we all know what happened. Imagine if Steph goes down, or KD goes down, or Draymond goes down, or Clay Thompson goes down. Secondly, and maybe most importantly, three of those guys are up next season. We don't know how they'll react to Boogie Cousins. Everybody thinks it's addition by addition, but there could be subtraction by addition. Clay Thompson's up. His dad's been a Laker broadcaster and former Laker for most of his life. Southern California's home, and he'd get to play opposite LeBron James, who's a willing passer to one of the great shooters, if not the best catch-and-shoot shooter in the history of the game. Jimmy Butler's up, and of course, Kawhi Leonard is up, as is half the NBA seemingly next year. Like Kevin Durant. Like DeMarcus Cousins. Like Draymond Green. Like Clay Thompson. What's the best way to beat the Golden State Warriors? To not do it this year, to build for the following year, and the year after that, and the year after that. That's what Magic said. That's a reasonable timeline. That seems to be reasonable considering where they are with their own contracts and with young players needing a year to figure out if they have it to play with LeBron James. 
And so with so many people talking about Lance Stevenson, a backup, Michael Beasley, a backup, Rajon Rondo, a backup, they're missing what LeBron's plan is, which is ultimately to take down the Warriors, but not a full frontal, not to run down the hill. You know the, the old adage or the old story, there's two bulls, young bull and old bull on top of the hill. There's a bunch of cows down the pasture. Do we run down or do we walk down? LeBron's walking down. Long-term play versus short-term play. So, so this whole idea, this whole idea that, well, you know, only a handful of teams are actually trying to win. Yeah, that's because some teams, like the Atlanta Hawks, they tried to win. They had the best record in the East. They failed. They tried one more time. Then they lost Danny Ferry. Then they broke things apart. Now they're, they were trying to be bad this year. They're going to completely start all over again. It all depends upon where you are in the growth process. If you're in rebuild, if you're in the middle, if you're close to the top, or if you're at the top. The best way to beat the Warriors is what the, is what the, for the Lakers is what the Lakers are doing. Figure out if Ingram has the next level. Figure out if Lonzo Ball can take that next step. It feels like Josh Hart's eventually going to be a starter. It feels like Kyle Kuzma has staying power. Let's see when you add in an all-time great and some veterans off the bench. We've had a bad day. Uh, we've all had a bad day in the golf course. Sadly, it's not as easy to find a fix for your golf game, but it is easy to find the fix to your check engine light at AutoZone. The free AutoZone Fix Finder tool will find the likely issues, saving you money down the road. Get in the zone, AutoZone. A really interesting story in the NFL with Josh Gordon taking some time away during training camp. Going to catch up with Ryan Leaf of Coming Next. Get his perspective on this situation and players dealing with addiction and anxiety. Next to the Doug Gottlieb Show. People paid for the car you want so you can recognize a good price. When you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. He was an All-American in college, of course, number two pick in the NFL draft. He's been a friend of the program, and he's been a fascinating, fascinating listen on so many topics like this one. Uh, one of the big stories in the National Football League is Josh Gordon, who super talented, wide receiver, has missed a couple years because of uh, multiple drug suspensions, um, has taken time away from training camp to seek counseling, and there are multiple reports that he hasn't. He hasn't failed any drug tests, but this is all part of a treatment program. Ryan Leaf joins us on the Doug Gottlieb Show here on Fox Sports Radio. Ryan, when you heard this story, thanks so much for taking time. What was your first reaction? Well, as it always is with these types of cases, I don't tend to jump to conclusions or anything because once someone develops a medical program like he has, um, this could be proactive. This could be, uh, well, let's put it this way. I spoke with his his manager, uh, Michael Johnson, this morning, and you know, and I've been on top of it ever since he was reinstated just because I, I care about Josh and I want him to be successful because I know uh, people who find recovery can be very successful if they find it early enough. And, uh, and what I heard was it was proactive. Uh, he surrounded himself with a good group of people that started to see some old behaviors um, coming up, and this was their way of effectively holding them accountable for it. And I think it's pretty impressive. Now, from the football standpoint, you you are happy that this happened, but as a as an organization like Cleveland, you probably you, you can't necessarily uh, rely on 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 maybe Josh Gordon 
early on in the year, um, if he's really trying to, to establish a good mental health uh, stability, which I hope he is. And I really think this is a, a good step forward of being proactive. I mean, this could be a giant or more of a, a watershed moment for players who are dealing with mental health issues or substance abuse, substance abuse issues actually doing this um, and, and putting themselves first. And then to see the organization back him is, is pretty impressive. Ryan, Ryan, help me out with something. I, I understand that that you know people around there, and I respect the idea that, hey, when when they're seeing signs and some early behaviors, you're like, let's shut this down early. This is just me, non-addict, asking an addict something that I, I honestly feel like I have the opposite opinion of of what what you may have. Wouldn't it be better for him to be around the team? Like, doesn't that hold a guy more accountable when he has practice, he has a place he wants to be, he has more eyes to be kept on him instead of removing him from the team? Yeah, it also depends on what what he's going through. And they're talking about not having any drug tests that came up positive and stuff. So maybe this is definitely a mental health issue, right, where you need actual medical care. And uh, that may be the... The biggest thing I've taken away from this, knowing that there hasn't been a positive test or a relapse or anything like that, but actually, you know, dealing with mental health issues, anxiety, depression, things of that nature, that they don't, they don't get better in, in that locker room environment, but actually need medical attention. That's the only thing I can kind of take away. I'm in agreement with you that if if it's about uh, consistency and and uh, every day being around something, working towards an achievable goal with a, with your teammates, I agree with that when it comes to those things, but this may be something outside our realm of, of medical uh, education and yours and my part, that's for sure. Ryan Leaf joining us here on the Doug Gottlieb Show. You can hear Ryan. He hosts Pac-12 this morning, 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. Pacific time. That's 10 to 1 p.m. East Coast time, Monday through Friday, Sirius XM Channel 373. Of course, our Sirius XM Channel is 83. Many of you who are listening to us know that. Listen to Ryan's work as well. Uh, I do have a, a Pac-12 question to, to get to you in a second, but uh, one last thing is on this Josh Gordon thing. I guess the question now becomes, all right, if this is – Reasonable mental health medical treatment. Can the can the Browns count on him? Right, like it's like can you depend on can you depend on him if all of a sudden you're getting ready for camp? You're like a day before camp, like yeah, you know I'm not going to be showing up. I got to. How much can they depend on him this season? Well, that was that was my first interpretation until I can got got some you know clarification on everything. But to my point a little bit earlier about the football side of it, I wouldn't look into the Cleveland Browns as, as being able to rely on him. And this has nothing to do with his character or his integrity. Or This is purely football-based, the idea of being able to show up and know that the guy is going to be there because you effectively have to, to deal with the, the, the person first and you know put football aside, get healthy uh, any way you can. But the football aspect, if you're a general manager or if you're a teammate, you care about him as a teammate and as a person, but you may not be able to rely on him because you're right. This is the day before camp. You know, he's been preparing and training and getting to this point and getting ready. Uh, you would have hoped this would have been addressed maybe sometime in the summer, but you can't do anything about a mental health disorder that, that shows up when it shows up. You deal with it when it deals with it, just like any other disease. Ryan Leaf joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show here on Fox Sports Radio. Renewed calls for for more uh, more games, more teams in the college football playoff, whether it's 18 teams or 16 teams, 
What, what are your thoughts on whether or not they they can and will expand the playoffs? Well, I'm I'm a proponent of it of it expanding. Yes, I want it to be bigger. I want it. To, I don't know if I want to get it to that size because I don't necessarily think the 16, 16th team could have uh, affected change in the college football playoff last year. I did believe that Alabama deserved to be in there at four over Ohio State, and sure enough, they they proved me right by by going on and winning the national championship. But I still think that an Ohio State football team probably deserved to be in there as well as a Pac-12 opponent. And then you have the opportunity for Central Florida to throw their hat in the ring, and they talk about it like they want to be in it, and you give them that opportunity to prove it on the field. We're just talking about many more games, um, and and that's that's difficult to see. I'm I'm a, a proponent of probably six teams, maybe eight. Um, giving the, the, the problem the is, look, Ryan, Ryan I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt. The, the problem is, and you nailed it, that no one's talking about, which is, hey, if you do, you go to eight teams, right? You add an additional game. The as of right now, if you if you play in a conference championship game. That's a 16-game season. Like that's a lot of that's a lot of football. That's a lot of wear and tear on these bodies over a short period of time. And you just you know you you may say, hey, we got 85 guys on scholarship, but the fact is that those bodies just wear down. I, I don't. Oh, yeah. I, I don't know that's feasible. Either do I. I. I don't. I don't think. I don't think it's feasible either. I'm of the mindset that you start removing non-conference games. That's the way I look at it as, and uh, you know, you, you don't need the, you don't need the Alabama versus Citadel game, do you? Yes, but um, you do. That's that's the one thing is that you actually do. And let me, this is it's really important you bring that up uh, on multiple levels. Just for Alabama, you need it because that's the lifeblood of Tuscaloosa. Those home games, they're, they're the lifeblood of Tuscaloosa, and by the way, they also are the lifeblood of Citadel or whomever for their games. But maybe more importantly. <laughs> More, more importantly, if we are going to eliminate those non-conference games, which pay out a million dollars for the Citadel or for whomever else and makes untold millions of dollars with all those hotel rooms filled for on campus, you know, uh, near the campus, near Tuscaloosa, near wherever, we're only factoring in Alabama. There's a hundred and was like 125 teams or whatever. You're, we're talking about eliminating a whole row of games and it only really benefits two to eight teams like all those other teams like wait we can't make any money to 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 fill our hotels to fill our restaurants to fill our coffers just because these other teams are all of a sudden going to play one more game that doesn't make any sense financially well it doesn't for the team that that's getting paid to play in it if you add if you remove those games and add one let's say you remove two non-conference home games and add the other conference opponents, or you get to actually play nine conference opponents instead of just the eight in the SEC, let's say, you still get those types of home games. With one, if you go to an eight-team playoff, you you add one more game, and you're right. You're getting up there. You know, for college students who aren't aren't seeing any pay or anything like that, that, that's a significant difference. Um, Four teams work right now. They do. And until something is significantly changed, I don't necessarily know if it's, it's needed. I think even if you take it to eight games, people are going to have that argument with you about teams number nine and ten. It's always going to be the argument, the team that's left out, whether they could have competed for the title. Right now, I think we've gotten the best football team at the end of the season winning the national championship. Um, and until that's probably proven against me, I'm going to stay with what's working. I would like to see uh, a possibly the opportunity for all five Power Five conferences yep. to have a representative in the, in the tournament, though.
Yeah, I, I don't think that's crazy either. I think you know, there's and there's a way to smartly do it to where you're like, hey, the non, you know, the the last team, last two teams in, and oh yeah, by the way, those teams may end up playing a 16th game, but they'll have to play each other like in a playing game kind of format. That would be fascinating as well. The, the whole thing is is interesting. Um, one last thing in terms of the Pac-12, it does not feel even with all the returners at Stanford, doesn't feel like this is a year for a Pac-12 team to be considered to be in the early in the early preseason thoughts of a national championship hopeful. Am I wrong to think that? You're you're probably not wrong. I think the team that, that, that's on the radar for most people and because of game one is is the University of Washington. And they are going to go up against the top ranked uh, Auburn football team to start the season. This is huge not only for the conference but for Washington in itself. They showed up against Alabama two years ago and just didn't perform. They weren't physically ready to uh, deal with the, the size and strength up front, and Chris Peterson made, a, made an adjustment there, and he went and recruited accordingly and differently. And this will be the first opportunity we're going to get to see them really put that into action, I feel, against a quality SEC opponent essentially on the road in the uh, kickoff classic in Atlanta to start. That's huge. Now, I feel like if – if they are able to win that game, Washington may be the team. Stanford in the north, they have the best player in college football probably in Bryce Love, but sure. defensively uh, is what I'm worried about. Their, their loss of, of defensive presence up front and in the backfield. And if they're not able to stop anybody, you know, running the football isn't going to be at the top as priority because they're going to need to score points, and that means throwing the football. And I, and I agree with you. I don't know if they can – necessarily keep up with everybody throwing the football but Washington and USC if JT Daniels is able to perform at the quarterback position I think will be the two two teams that really could significantly you know put a team into the college football playoff scenario at the end of the year I love JT Daniels and I love the fact that he had accomplished all he needed to accomplish in high school at modern day but boy that's a lot to ask to a kid that hasn't taken a snap from center we we shall see let's catch up and talk some more football you're just incredible resource uh you should listen to his show which is uh, every morning on Pac-12 radio on Sirius XM 373's Ryan Leaf Ryan thanks so much for joining us you bet Doug thanks for having me pleasure is all mine Doug Gottlieb show rolls on here on Fox Sports Radio. Look, the, the number of games is important, and you're sitting there going like, "Well, it's a big deal." If you, if, all these games are the the, the um, it's it's called it's like an ecosystem, right? There's a, a football ecosystem, and it all works. And you're like, well, "Just get rid of those games!" Like you can't actually because here's what you those games are important for developing a team. It's like those are that's basically college football's preseason, right? We develop a team, we play younger players, we take a look at some different things. Like we need that. We can't play all hardcore games. Like that's not that's not healthy for a team. We do need somebody to we need to, we need to hit somebody that's not our own players, but we also uh, need to hit somebody who's not as good as us. Like we need a little bit of a JV action, and that's what that is. The benefit to those programs is they make enough money in those one or two guaranteed games to pay for their season, to pay for all their other um, Olympic sports. And then for an Alabama, for a Tennessee, for a Georgia, for an Indiana, for a Michigan, for Michigan State, those games are important for their town. It's a college town. they got all these hotels and restaurants. Like That fills it up. Uh, Scott Frost, we're hoping to get on with us. He's the Nebraska coach. Everybody knows what, what was the second biggest city in Nebraska is uh, Memorial Stadium on a Saturday. Like th- that, that needs to happen. 
there's a football ecosystem, and you you threaten screwing up the football ecosystem if you add another game, because you're going to have to take away one elsewhere. And when you do, you're going to hurt. That's why they don't want to do it. Like we're not taking away another game because there's 118 other teams that need those games that aren't affected by the additional game. Let's bring in Dan Beyer, find out what else is going on in the world of sports. Dan, what do you got? Uh, Doug, we've got some news from the NFL. Training camp's opening this week, but there will be no Josh Gordon at Brown's camp, at least early on. The wide receiver's going to miss the start of camp as he receives more counseling and treatment to focus on his addiction recovery. You will see LaShawn McCoy at Buffalo Bills training camp. Running back will reportedly show up on Wednesday, according to the NFL Network, despite being accused of arranging a home invasion at the house of his ex-girlfriend who was assaulted in the crime. McCoy has not been charged in the matter. The NFL NFL has not taken any action against McCoy either. Cardinals running back David Johnson will report to the start of camp after holding out in some of the team activities this offseason. Forward Carmelo Anthony will reportedly sign with the Houston Rockets in the upcoming days. That's according to the New York Times as he'll get a one-year deal worth the veterans minimum. That's $2.4 million. Dirk Nowitzki has signed a deal with the Mavericks, meaning the 40-year-old will be back for his 21st consecutive season with the team. That's the first time any player in NBA history has played 21 consecutive seasons with a squad. 13-year-old LeBron James Jr. and his AAU team took an unofficial visit to Duke over the weekend, getting a tour of their facilities. And TV ratings on NBC for the final round of the Open Championship matched the largest rating since 2000 when Tiger Woods won the career Grand Slam at St. Andrews. I should say this, in 2000, Doug, 7.4 rating. The 5.0 rating of yesterday's final round matched 2006 final round when Tiger Woods won at Royal Liverpool. Back to you. Uh, Dan knows so many of these matches and, and of tournaments, and he's like, oh, it was the 2006. You guys remember the 2006. He hit that shot up on the knoll, and all the rest of us are like, dude, I, um, I, I don't remember. Dan knows so much <laughs> So much about it. Dan Byer, check his show out on uh, Sundays here on Fox Sports Radio. Speaking of a guy you should check out, my man Ryan Burr works for the Golf Channel. He came on this show last year and said, Tiger will win, mark it down. I think he came on my CBS show two years ago, Tiger will win, mark it down. And look, I have never sold my Tiger Woods stock, but but I, I, I thought it was a penny stock for a while. Now it feels better, although he still has not closed. Ryan Burr, Golf Channel joining us, Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Did you, after nine, he ties for the lead seven under, or maybe after ten, after that incredible bunker shot. Do you think he had it? Well, he took the lead there, Doug, and it was a one-shot lead. And, and more than anything else, uh, the guys that he had to catch were crumbling. Spieth and Shoffley shot forty on the front, and Spieth was a disaster. So I knew it was a I knew it was a two-man race. I knew it was Woods and Molinari. Now. McElroy made a bit of a run, uh, but no one ultimately. Hey, listen, uh, yeah, I thought I thought Tiger was going to be in it to the end. He doubled the next hole and then bogeyed after that. He hit two bad shots the entire day. There was no Tiger magic, but I've never been more sure that Woods wins again than I am now. Uh, he is the best player in the world. I mean that. He's the best player in the world right now. He's hitting it better than everyone else in golf as we all know, is the toughest sport of any to win because in every other sport you have to face an individual team. Uh, you know, the Pittsburgh Pirates are two games over 500. If they had to play the Yankees every game, they'd be, what, 20 games under 500. So in golf, you've got to beat everybody, and there's always somebody that's hot. Every week there's somebody that's hot. So the best player rarely wins just a couple times a year is how that sport works out. 
Tiger right now has complete control of this game. He's all the way back. And I do agree with you that there is a last hurdle, and that last hurdle is closing. And when that happens again, while it will never return to the Tiger mania of old, he will tick off one, two, three in a six, seven-month span. Of course, all based on him staying healthy. All right, let's let's circle back to Tiger in a second. Let's start with Spieth, who you you would have felt like at some point, and maybe even you go back to the Masters, like you would have felt, and I know that you and I discussed before the Masters how he'd struggled with his putting then, but then you you watch him, and, I mean, what what the heck is going on with him on a Sunday? Uh, I'll tell you what, (laughs) and I, I know, you know, you could revise history for a lot of people, but... Let's just put it this way. Jordan Spieth won his first major, the Masters, and he did it in record fashion. He then went to the U.S. Open, where Dustin Johnson three-putted from 12 feet at Chambers Bay after Spieth had choked like a dog at 17 with a double bogey. Uh, if, if Dustin Johnson makes a four-footer or, or lags the putt better, Spieth doesn't win the U.S. Open. We all know what he did at the Masters the next year. It was an all-time gag job where he put a couple in the water with a six-shot lead at the Masters and lost. Uh, I'm concerned with Jordan Spieth, real concerned. He's a great player. He'll figure it out. He's 25 years old. But where he's at right now, what once was the best putter on the planet, is no longer in the top 150. It is a mental deal with him. It's a problem, a real problem. Every single week he's missing putts that your son would make, Doug. I'm not exaggerating. They're two three-footers that he's missing every single week. I'm, uh, I'm concerned for Jordan Spieth in the immediate future, not long-term. He'll be a great champion. But in the rest of this season, until we figure something out with him, which I'm not sure anyone knows what's going on, and that would include him, uh, this is problematic. Yeah, he was muttering to himself early. You knew it was going to be a long day. What about Rory? He did make that kind of. He made that late charge, but he only. Yeah, McElroy should have. McElroy should have won by twelve to fifteen shots. Uh, I was there. I just got off the plane. I literally just got off the plane and went through immigration. But I will tell you, when you're there and you see everything, McElroy is so much better than everyone else from the tee to the green. It's scary. Should have won by twelve shots. Seriously. He hit it that much further and better than everyone else. It's just his short game is, I mean, it's really bad right now. And the fact that he can be in the mix as poor as it is, is a testament to just how awesome the other part of his game is. When he has good weeks with his short game, that's why he's won multiple majors by eight shots or more. He just blows everyone away because he's the best hitter of the golf ball. It's just the, the little stuff that, that kind of gets in the way. But uh, he's fun to watch. It's, he's mind-boggling. You, you shake your head so much because you, you just can't believe how good he is at times and how bad he is at times. But that's the roller coaster, the Drury. Yeah, uh, I guess, what about what about Ricky? We're, all, we're waiting for the Ricky after, you know, he had the, the Players' Championship a couple years ago where he was incredible. Uh, he is remarkably popular and he just he carries a fun air about him. Um, he he took personally on Twitter. I think yeah, one of the golf that was writers, a bad sign, wasn't it? Yeah, one of the golf writers writing about another disappointing outing, 
why why can't why can't he figure out a major? Well, one, they're really tough to win. There's only four a year, and you've got to beat everybody. And like I said, there's always someone some week that's hot. Um, two, he he's putting a lot of yeah you know, every single major that ticks by, and that that Twitter comeback that you're referencing gives you an idea of just how on edge he is about the whole major thing that it's starting to get to him, right? I mean, that, that's pretty obvious when you're, when you're, you know, you're Ricky Fowler and you're responding to a, a guy and saying you're beating me while I'm down. I mean, it, that, that was a, I was surprised to see that. I really was because he is so cool and fresh and he does come across that it doesn't bother him, but clearly it does. Uh, he's getting older and older. All of his friends have a major now. Everyone that he hangs out with has a major, and he's older than all of them. So he'll he'll get one. I mean, like I said, everyone has a week when they're when when you're that good. You're one of the best players in the world. Eventually, you get one. I mean, Sergio eventually got one. Phil Mickelson eventually got one, and then he ticked off five. R- R- uh, Ricky will get one. It's just right now. It's in a. He's in a. Uh, I think the PGA will be the, the best chance for him, which is the. The two weeks from now in St. Louis, maybe not that PGA, but I think that kind of setup sets up best for him. Uh, you know, he finished second at the Masters. He was one shot back of Patrick Reed. That's kind of what I mean. You know, you got to beat everyone in golf. It's different than everything else. Tennis, uh, obviously the team sports, but you have to beat everybody, and that's really tough to do. Um, his name is Ryan Burry, works for the Golf Channel. He's kind of to spend some time with us here on the Doug Gottlieb Show. All right, so now we now we head to eventually to St. Louis and the PGA. It's more kind of traditional tree lined golf course. Is 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 that the course that sets up well for Tiger Woods? No, this the Open set up really good for Tiger Woods because he didn't have to hit driver. Uh, it'll be interesting to see his game plan, Doug, and and that's going to be a lot dependent on weather and and what we what we get when we get there. Uh, if you if you have to hit driver a lot, then it's probably not going to be Tiger's week because that's that's the worst club in his bag, and that would obviously open up the door for the, the Rory's and the the Brooks Kepkas and the Ricky Fowlers of the world, guys that really are good at driving driving the ball. That's not t- Tiger's strength. I said he's the best player in the world because he does. If you add everything together, I think he's hitting it the best right now. But the driver is still a, a little bit shaky. Um, with that said, I wouldn't be surprised if Tiger won it. Uh, he's up to 50 in the world now, so he's on the rise. He's going to get to play Bridgestone, which is a tune-up. It's a WGC event that he's won seven times. Yep. Uh, it's the last time it's played there, so that might be where the win comes, to be honest with you. Um, uh, the, the other thing with the rankings and the possibility of winning at Bridgestone, does he play in the Ryder Cup team? Block, done, already on the team. Ryan Burr, breaking news. I know that's not breaking news, but I, it's, it's, you're saying it's, it seems like a formality. It, oh, no, it it's not, doesn't seem like a formality. It is a formality. Uh, barring injury, Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson are two captain's picks of Jim Furyk, and they're both on the Ryder Cup team. And Great stuff. Some people are going to have a problem with it because Tiger's going to jump over a bunch of guys. But let me just put it to you this way, Ty, uh, Doug. You're the captain of the Ryder Cup team, and... It comes down to Sunday, and everything's tied. And in your last match, you can send out, oh, I don't know, uh, Zonder Shoffley to play 
Rory McIlroy, or you can send out Kevin Kisner to play Sergio Garcia, or you can throw out Tiger Woods. Who 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 would you put in that spot, honestly? No, actually, I think Tiger the Phil Woods. thing actually surprised me more because last time Phil had such a problem with uh, you know with the captain that and and was and was so vocal about it. I think that one would be the one that would actually surprise me a little bit more. Well, that all changed. That was in Scotland four years ago, and that is when Mickelson actually he and Tiger, who obviously weren't very close, didn't have really any relationship. It's kind of interesting. After that debacle in Scotland, now, yeah, four years ago, those two came together and they started this Ryder Cup task force. And then at Hazeltine in Minnesota two years ago, that really was Phil's team because of everything that had happened two years earlier. And Tiger was a vice captain because he was coming off of the back surgery. Mm -hmm. And those two were riding in carts together and, you know, best friends and, the U.S. went on to win in, in great fashion in Minnesota, and that's why this is Phil and Tiger's team. And that, you know, Jim Furyk's the captain, but Phil Mickelson and Tiger Woods have a lot of influence, and they'll both be on the team. I promise you they'll both be on the team. All right, that's Ryan Burr. Ryan, thanks so much for joining us, dude. Really appreciate your time. Welcome right. back to the States. You got it, brother. See you soon. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. We in the media tend to overreact to things. It's kind of the nature of what we do. But the recent overreaction to the actions of like one or two dudes is peak media silliness silliness what up Doug Gottlieb show Fox Sports Radio I don't know what expression you use um if ifs were fifth it'd be Christmas every day right uh, close doesn't count except for a horseshoes and hand grenades. Right? Everyone has a an old expression that they use to describe why. Look, being close just doesn't matter, right? It's it's completing the test. It's winning. It's finishing. It's that that's that sounds great, right? but it's different when you're Tiger Woods. Right? When you're Tiger Woods, and I understand that some of you you're giving him a pass because he's won before. You're right. I'm giving him a pass because he's won before. That's exactly what I'm doing. Precisely what I'm doing. You know, um, I, you know, he, here's a guy who we didn't know if he would ever, some didn't know if he would ever swing a golf club again. What I do, my process is different than many of my radio cohorts. I have friends who are surgeons, um, Though my closest friends aren't back and spine guys, this is what happened when remember when Peyton went in and had a one last uh, procedure done before he went to Denver. I called my surgeon buddy. He called his neck and spine guy, and he was like, "Peyton will be fine." When I talked to my buddy about another buddy about the back issue and the way in which um, he Tiger had spinal fusion surgery. They said if Tiger rehabbed slowly and the right way, he'd be fine. The only question was going to be his flexibility 
in the future playing golf. That's it in terms of his back standing up. So I felt like I knew he would be back on some level. And I've lived by the credo for Tiger Woods, this whole his window is closing, he's getting too old. You're never too old to play golf. That's why dudes play golf. You're never too drunk to fish, never too old to play golf. We've seen Jack win at 46. And that was before modern technology. That was before the clubs that they have to give you more length. I always thought Tiger Woods would come back and win again. Frankly, I still believed that he would come back and win a major, but hope was fading. Remember, he had the chipping yips. He couldn't putt. He's never been great with the driver. And then he was always hurt. And then this happened on Sunday. Putter goes back, ball is on his way. Has it jumped a little bit? And it did. I feel that putt jumped a little bit. Unfortunately, Tiger Woods will make a double bogey on 11, and he'll move back to five under par for the championship. This is an interesting way in which we judge people. Like, there are still people who don't like Tiger Woods because they felt like they were duped by his persona or duped by his greatness. It's weird, though. Like, Alex Rodriguez is on TV on Fox and on ESPN, like the face of baseball, and A-Rod never really apologized. A-Rod was run out of baseball about two years ago by the Yankees. Yeah, it was like a Thursday, and they're like, yeah, Alex's last game Sunday. That's what happened. That's what happened. Be gone. We, want, we want you so far gone from our everyday lineup, we will do anything it takes, even though we owe you some money. Bye-bye. And so we've seen the image rehab, date J-Lo, go on TV, be solid at talking baseball, and there's some image rehab. For Tiger, Tiger's, Tiger's body letting him down, losing his marriage, losing his hair, losing his game, losing his, losing his ability to putt, like all of these things. And it's fascinating on how heroic how excited how almost childlike we all are and i'm good with it like i again i I didn't like what he was doing previously but i also wasn't married to him i also realized this is a world in the realm to which i'm not really privy to i was brought up under a parent that uh that did want me to achieve greatness and push me but in a completely different one a completely different man than earl woods and so some of it is his background some of it is it's golf some of it is you go from being not just a dork, but a dorky golfer to the stud of all studs. And I think you, too, would enjoy the spoils of it. But the biggest thing was I wasn't married to Tiger Woods. I wasn't. Tiger Woods, though, became a sad character. Remember, he got pulled over in Florida and he didn't know where he was and what he was doing. And he was hopped up on pills coming off of back surgery. You remember that? Like, dude, his rock bottom was so public. Then he has this perspective. I I know it's going to sting for a little bit, but given where I was to where I am now, I'm blessed. Like, I actually think Tiger Woods, this is the this is the second last part of the behind the music. All right, remember the old behind the music on VH1? VH1 is the old other video music video uh, channel that used to show music videos and now it does. Does VH1 still exist? Ramos, does VH1 still exist? Yes, it does. I have no, 
It, it does. does. Does yeah. it show music videos? No, I believe it shows like what MTV does, like kind of like uh, lo- elongated shows, like mothers and daughters or whatever, some stuff like that. I thought Behind the Music was a really good series. I do. Where it's, it, you know, it, it starts out and it talk, it's like a 30 for 30, right? It talks about these bands and how they came together and their meteoric rise. And there was always a collapse. And then there was always a comeback album. Usually nobody heard that comeback album. We heard the Tiger War roar. Then on 10, the incredible, you know, uh, shot from the sand. He tried the he tried a different one on 11 that didn't work. He double bogeys, and that's that. But to but to come from not walking, maybe never playing golf again, <clears throat> to sixth at the U.S. Open, leading at the turn. Wow. Yeah, I was in. I'm okay saying I was in. <clears throat> I'm okay saying. I was rooting for him. My my stock certificate still in hand for the penny stock that was Tiger Woods Inc. And I was still completely in on it. It made for an enjoyable Sunday morning. So enjoyable that when it came to an end, I was sitting there watching rugby going, man, that's over. That was so much fun. Why am I watching rugby on NBC? Why am I watching rugby? So, look, he's never going to be Tiger Woods of the early 2000s. None of us are going to be, no matter how good, I was looking at photos. Um, A friend of mine was sharing some photos. I did, uh, I I did a P90X ad campaign when I was over at the other place. And I was in incredible shape. And I look at those and I look at my basketball playing photos. And I was like, I was actually in better shape when I was playing basketball. And then my second best shape was then. And I'm in great shape now for a man of my age. But I'm never going to be what I was at 24, 25 years old, let alone when I was at 28. Not without any chemical help, which I, I choose to not use. I'm the best version of myself, the closest to being back in shape but of 40 to same age as Tiger Woods, in shape as I am now. That's Tiger Woods now. But there, there are stages to being back, right? Just playing golf, swinging a golf club was stage one. Stage two was staying healthy for a whole weekend. I mean, he had to, one, make the cut. But two, remember, he was pulling out of golf tournaments before not healthy. I mean, we saw him hitting the ball well, and we saw the smile on his face. He's like, hey, I can kind of do this. I'm not... My back is actually healthy enough. That was stage two. Stage three is really competitive. Stage four is winning. That's the three to four is the hardest. It's the hardest. It's a lot like the seven stages of grief. The hardest stage is the last one, acceptance. Accepting the reality of it, moving on. That's the hardest one. Ask anybody who's who's ever grieved. Acceptance is the hardest one. Winning is the hardest stage of a comeback. Actually winning. Because winning was really hard the first time. You just took it for granted. Feels like Tiger's not taking this for granted now. He just does. And maybe that's me being all in on Tiger and wanting to believe it. Maybe I'm just listening to a quote. But that's what I I think it to be true. All right, we got a lot to get to this hour on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Uh, Brian Scalabrini is going to join us upcoming next. Have you ever heard of addition by subtraction, right? You take something out of something and it becomes stronger. What about subtraction by addition? Vegas thinks one addition to a championship caliber team is actually subtraction. We'll get to that with Brian Scalabrini. Big Scal joins us. Upcoming next. 
invoice price. True Car shows what other people paid for the car you want, so you can recognize a good price. When you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. <laughs> Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. <laughs> oh, we are in such a weird time in sports. Weird, weird time in sports. Um, I don't really love being lied to. And I do think that occasionally NFL athletes uh, lie to us. We'll get we'll get to that upcoming. Also, uh, I'm sure you saw that uh, the two best pitchers on the Washington Nationals got into it over the weekend. Now, look, part of me, the athlete in me, knows that those guys get, you know, 18 days off their entire summer. 18. 162 days, 18 days off. So when... Um, Max Scherzer gets into it. Max Scherzer, who, for my money, I mean, you go and, I mean, winning Cy Young's in best in, in both leagues, American and national, two now uh, in the national. When Max Scherzer gets into it with Steven Strasburg, I said to myself, and you know, like, look, I got into fights with a lot of my teammates, even some of my best friends. Not that big a thing. The difference would be, Dude, they're just getting off of the all-star break. Like, they just had a break. And now you're back arguing again? So I don't want to say it's something, but it's a lot more than nothing because they had had a chance to... (sighs) I don't know how many times we have to see the Nationals. 49 up, 49 uh, back. And remember, they're in a division to which at least two of the teams are trying to be bad and accomplishing the task. The Mets have won 40, 40 and 56, completely riddled by injuries. And, of course, they, they, they uh, trade away Juris Familia. And the Marlins have tried to be bad ra- roster-wise. They actually have a negative 115 run differential. Their record doesn't reflect it as much because they're actually playing hard. But the fact is that in two of your five teams in your division are trying to play poorly and they're accomplishing that task and you're still 500? Eee. Eee. Maybe that's why they're fighting in the dugout instead of fighting the other team. Um, and then you have the kind of curious case of the Brewers fandom. Now, when I saw the story, there was a reason that we really, really didn't... Um, We didn't discuss it all that much. And the logic behind it is kind of simple. Here's the logic. When Jeff Hader was was an all-star at 24 years old, I I get that the Brewers are uh, are a great story. They're probably the best story in Major League Baseball this year. You could say it's the Mariners, but it's hard for me to pitch you on the Brewer, the Mariners being a better story when Robbie Cano's out with a PED suspension and their run differential proves they're really not as good as their record. So Hayter's 24 years old. Apparently when he was 17, that's, that's uh, seven years ago, we found out during the All-Star game he had some tweets which uh, there was a couple which were I really didn't like. There were a couple. There was one that was lyrics to a song, so I don't really hold him responsible to it. But Hader asked, answered every question 
was as forthcoming as I can remember an athlete being. Offered no real excuses for his tweets or whatever we consider his behavior. And so when a when a fan base supports you, again, we, we jump to conclusions. I've heard so many of my cohorts, so many people who I have worked with previously, especially the other place, call out the Brewers fans. How dare you? When we don't really know what they're... Are they supporting Hater's tweets? Probably not. Are they supporting the fact that Hater, unlike so many others, didn't say, I was hacked? Said, yeah, man, that was that was me. It was bad. When he got to Milwaukee, he did the same thing. Met with the media, met with other players on his team. Doesn't make it okay. I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't have had any... I, I've, I've never been deemed to be by anybody who knows me a racist. I didn't allow any sort of uh, racially racially charged words to, to come out of my mouth. But I do think there would be some tweets that if they came out when I was 17 years old, probably would have kept me from getting this job. Probably. Let me ask Dan Byer. Dan, you're our resident Brewers fan. Um, I, we're, we're trying to imagine why so many Brewers fans would stand up and offer his support. And my thing is, we don't know. I, I don't know if I would have gotten up and stood up and cheered, yeah. although, to be all honest, in all honesty, I don't get up and cheer most dudes. Um, but he did, in fairness to him, he didn't offer up excuses. He answered other questions. He talked to his teammates. He didn't avoid it. And he didn't say he was hacked. He was like, look, dude, I was 17. This is what I did. I'm not proud of it. I, I don't. I don't know if it was worthy of some people standing O, yeah. but I also don't know if 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 we're uh, if we're chastising Brewers fans for something that they weren't trying to trying to say. I'm not sure what the message is, and I don't think that the you know the thousands of people who stood up and cheered probably had the same message. My issue with it it's it's almost Doug as if they I don't want to say we're rewarding him. But there, there, there has been there was some backlash the night that it happened, but there doesn't seem to be much backlash or any um, consequence, if you will, from it. And so the way that it was taken and it appeared, and I thought it was a bad look. I, I, I honestly did. I don't think for the first time out to make that applause. I just I didn't think it looked right. I didn't think it was the right thing to do. I understand them supporting him, but to go out of their way to do it, I just I thought was odd, and I just don't think that there was any consequence for the tweets that he sent. And and I don't think that that it what should consequence just, should there be? Well, it's the the point being is that he is being applauded. It was almost like you did something wrong a long time ago, but have moved on. Congratulations! And it's like, well, okay, well, he faced no consequence from what he did seven years ago. Like, there was there was no consequence for tweeting the stuff that he did. None whatsoever. So he gets applauded for something that he faced, you know, really nothing, no backlash, except the, some reporters' questions after an All-Star game. Well, he also so, had to fa- he has to, he has to face his teammates every day. And they supported him, and they, and they actually, it was a visual... It was a, it was a, I don't know if you saw Doug in the media room in Milwaukee, you know, where they, they had players standing behind him. There were players in the media room supporting him as well. I get all that. I completely understand them supporting. I just don't think that there was any consequence 
for his actions, whether it be seven years ago or whether it be now. And now all of a sudden we're applauding him and moving on, which was a weird look to me. It, it was a weird look. I just don't know. I, I, like, I don't, I don't like the assumption that we make about why some people, uh, why some people, we assume that they're standing up because they, there's an assumption that we're, that people are standing up because they, they believe in what he tweeted in. And I don't, I don't think so. Now, look, I'll be honest with you. I wouldn't have stood up and applauded. It takes a lot for me to give. I'm not even the guy that somebody gets done speaking and everybody stands up and you're like, really? It wasn't that good. Yeah. I'm that guy. I never give standing. You better, you better really overcome something to, uh, to stand yeah. up. Well, I don't stand up. I don't. I mean, like, look, the one that bothers me. I, apparently, there was a KKK tweet. Like, you got to be a complete idiot. Um, I don't know. And and in yes, this day uh, and age, could I could I just quick add one thing? In this day and age of where we are, you're totally right about there may there may have been one person in the crowd who agreed with what he said, but there were also people in the crowd who are saying, oh, well, he didn't say it wasn't that, you know, bad of a thing or, you know, that big of a deal. And they're applauding him because they're thinking he's getting a raw deal. There's so many different emotions. I just thought it was a bad look. I I just look way to game, maybe, you know? Yeah, I don't. We say in this day and age, seven years ago was a like, I mean, it's a completely different day and age, in addition to which. I hate to be this guy because I have no time for offensive language. We also don't know the context of it, right? Like he had, there was a, a white power tweet, which is, uh, you know, Absurd. which is offensive. Yeah. But was ridiculous. he tweeting back and forth with somebody who was, you know, was, was it in response to something? Do you know what I'm saying? So I don't know. Like, look, I think it sounds really, really dumb. And I think there's plenty of, Idiots out there who are 17 years old who think they know things that don't know things. We all do. I never, I, I, I don't know how you, I also would tell you that you learn things about people once you're in a baseball clubhouse. I'm sure going in the minor leagues, like you learn like there's a different culture with Latins, different culture with African-Americans, different culture with white dudes. You learn to get along with people. You learn to cohabitate. You learn like, hey, you know what? They have their kind of own thing. We have our own, but we kind of all get along. So I do think there's an educational process to it. I li- the only thing I can tell you I like that I took a positive from it was he answered the questions. He didn't say I was hacked. He didn't shy away from it. They made him stand and kind of face the music. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, did he talk himself in circles a little bit the first time he did? I don't know how honest the other brewers coming to his defense were. I don't know how much of that was their PR saying like, hey, this is really bad. We got to help our guy out, uh, especially in the middle, middle of a pennant race. But I, I, I also don't know, understand what brings somebody to stand up. But I would offer up that I don't think any people who stood up all stood up for the reason that they were supporting Josh Hader. Maybe more they were supporting the fact that here's a guy that did something really dumb and then faced some sort of music. I just don't know how you punish anybody seven years after the fact when we didn't even know how the device worked back then. Sure. I, it's interesting, and I just want to tell a quick story. I was at the 2010 Masters, which was Tiger's first major when he came back from the scandal. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing him walk up the fairway, and I still remember it to this day on the 15th hole, there was a guy to my left who stood up and gave him a standing ovation. There was a 
you know, there, there were people to my right who refused to even clap when he walked up and down the fairway. And I'm not trying to compare what he did to what Josh Hader did, but the point being is you have one side of the, the, the fence being like, all right, Tiger's back, he's our champion, he's a great guy, and there are some people who were offended by what he did. Fast forward eight years to where we were yesterday, I think everybody was on the side of Tiger because the eight years has gone by. To have Josh Hader, even though it was seven years since those tweets, for this to happen in a week, I think the wounds were still kind of fresh that a standing ovation wasn't warranted at that time. Ryan Music, what do you think, bud? Well, uh, I to bring up Dan's point with the Tiger thing, I was sort of thinking about we'd seen something like this before, and not that what Ray Rice did is the same thing as what Josh Hader did, but... I remember seeing the videos of Ravens fans giving Ray Rice a standing ovation when he returned too. So it it's almost just a weird thing where when you take a step back from the situation and you're on the outside looking in, you're almost trying to come up with like a rational, logical thought for why these people would stand up and give a standing ovation to where... I don't really know if there is a logical or I, rational I think, thought can to I, can it. I, let, me, let me give you the ra- logical, rational, maybe not really rational when you get down to a thought. You know, can I give it to you? You know, they hate us because they ain't us. That, that's what it is. It's, it's, hey, he's our guy. That's what people do. That's what they do in sports. It doesn't make any sense to me. None. I'm like I, I literally I do not understand that people are like oh you're just after him because he's because he's he's not like to this day people will they've always drawn this conclusion well you know if I say something negative about a guy who goes to Oklahoma it's because I went to Oklahoma State like dude I went to Oklahoma State 18 years ago <laughs> it's been over for a long time I didn't come play against these matter of fact the coach at Oklahoma played for my dad. Right. Like, it's so not a rivalry thing. If I'm critical of somebody, it's because I'm critical of them. But that's how people think. They think he's our guy. That's the same thing with Ray Rice. Hell, it's the same thing when Jameis Winston comes back. There'll be Tampa fans that stand up and give him a round of applause, even though he's an idiot. Even if he didn't do what he's accused of doing, the fact that he put himself in that situation is just dumb enough to be, to be suspension worthy. But that's what people I, like. I know it makes no logical sense, but in sports, sports logic is different than normal human logic. And in sports logic, when he's one of our guys, I can be critical of him, but you can't. That's but, the way it works. But it almost—that's what's almost when we talked about this last hour—is what makes the whole like Kobe, LeBron, and people trying to say that like Laker fans are anti-LeBron. Like those aren't real. That's not a representation of what real Laker fans are. Like I was at a barbecue over the weekend and I talked to like seven people who were all Laker fans. Were you guys barbecuing or were you guys grilling? Uh, Well, I guess, sorry, it wasn't, it was a grill. Cookout. Uh, yeah. That's a cookout. A cookout. A cookout. That's a cookout. That's a cookout. It's very important here. <laughs> yes, at, that's if true. If there's no barbecue being served, I you were at a cookout, better. my friend. I should have yes. known better. It was a cookout. But yeah, I talked to like seven people who are Laker fans, and they're all ecstatic about getting LeBron here. And so it's like fans only care about the fact that you represent their team and you either help them win games or help them win championships or things of that nature. And whether it's LeBron who does that, whether it's Josh Hader who does that, or whether it was Ray Rice who helped do that for the Ravens, you that's all that they really care about, let alone anything else off the field. Now, we can all sit here and try and be the moral compass for saying what's, what's right and what's wrong, 
But that doesn't mean we have a full understanding of how those fans feel about that player and what they do for the team that they pay money to go watch every week. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very smart point you make. All right, let's get to Dan Beyer, find out what else is going on in the world of sports. Dan, what do you got? Well, I do have some baseball news to start out with. The Dodgers place third baseman Justin Turner on the 10-day DL has a right groin strain. The newly acquired Manny Machado expected to take over third base in Turner's absence. Mets minor league outfielder Tim Tebow will undergo surgery tomorrow for a broken bone in his hand. He'll reportedly miss the rest of the season. Some news from the NBA. Carmelo Anthony likely headed to the Houston Rockets should be finalized in the next couple of days. According to the New York Times, they just need to finalize the trade, sending him from Oklahoma City to Atlanta. Then he needs to be released and cleared waivers for him to move on to Houston. He'd get the veterans minimum worth $2.4 million for next season. Dirk Nowitzki's back with the Mavs next season. One-year deal with $5 million, the 21st consecutive season. He's been with the team that's never happened before by a player in the NBA. 21 straight seasons with the same team. Browns wide receiver Josh Gordon going to miss the start of camp as he receives more counseling and treatment to focus on his addiction recovery. Bills running back LaShawn McCoy will reportedly show up to training camp on Wednesday, according to the NFL Network. McCoy has been accused of arranging a home invasion at the house of his ex-girlfriend who was assaulted in the crime. Cards running back David Johnson showing up to training camp. He had missed some off-season work, Doug, with the Cardinals, but he comes back at the start of camp for the team, returning from that wrist injury that cost him most of last season. Hmm. Um, I'm excited to see David Johnson. You know, he hurt his knee two years ago, his wrist last year, so his legs should be fresh. Of course, uh, it was a fake holdout because he didn't really hold out. I was thinking about running backs, and I saw this story um, from NFL Network. Ian Rappaport reporting that uh, Saquon Barkley is going to get a fully guaranteed four-year, $31.2 million deal. That's a $20.76 million signing bonus. $15 million can be paid out immediately with the remainder set uh, to hit Barkley's bank account in October. So he'll get $20 million before he ever really gets into the deep dive in the NFL season. Um, but, but here's where I, I just, I really don't like being lied to and NFL, uh, agents and players have a tendency to lie to me. The average annual salary of 7.8 million, that's, that's Barkley 7.8 million over four years is fourth among running backs behind Le'Veon Bell, Devonte Freeman and Shady McCoy. And so what we're told is. We, we need to fight for guaranteed contracts. He has a fully guaranteed contract. Those rookie contracts are fully guaranteed. Those are better contracts than what baseball players get. Aaron Judge this year. You guys know he doesn't make $700,000? It's like six hundred and fifty, six hundred and eighty. This is his fifth year as a professional ball player. He went to college, Florida, Fresno State. Okay, This is his fifth year. It's his second full year in the bigs. Third year, if you count the call-up year, he's making less than $700,000. And it's not until his, what, his fourth year, the third year, excuse me, that he's, um, at the end of next season, he's arbitration eligible, to which he can start making real, life-changing, generational wealth. And really, even that's not until he signs the big long-term deal that I'm sure the Yankees will sign him to. So the first thing is that, NFL rookie deals for top draft picks are far better than Major League play, Baseball player deals. And in many ways, they mirror that of NBA player deals. I hate the um, when, when, when 
agents or players or even we in the media, when we calc- when we, we calculate what somebody makes per year, we only give the annual salary as if the guaranteed bonuses that are given yearly or at the front end of the deal don't count. Like, oh, those don't count. Those are just bonuses. That's not the way NFL deals are structured. And anybody who tells you otherwise is, is just lying to you. They're only structured that way because that's a way around the salary cap. The, the hard truth is that baseball, that ba- football players are compensated appropriately. Appropriately. Especially now because many of the young players play more early. And as we've been told, the average NFL player's lifespan in the NFL is less than four years. So we're going to play you four years guaranteed money early on. And then if you're good, you can get franchise tag, more guaranteed money. Um, now, part of this comes down to the fact that Saquon Barkley was taken number two overall, so it's going to put him in the top five of all running backs. Some of it is the calculation. And some of it is smart because you're going to get the best football out of him in his first four to six football seasons. Speaking of football, I saw that Jim Harbaugh, this is from Stuart Mandel, Jim Harbaugh wants a 16-team playoff. Let's go to eight and eventually get to 16. Scott Frost, new head coach in Nebraska, another Big Ten guy, Big Ten media days taking place. 18 playoff proponents starting earlier in December. What a lot of these coaches want to do is they want to get rid of the co- they want to get rid of the conference championship game, which sounds like a really good idea. The leagues the league would would lose money. I'm sure they'd make it up on the back end uh, with putting an additional team potentially potentially into the college football playoff. The big question is this. Uh, you're you're running the risk of teams playing 16 games. And I understand if you took away the conference championship games, which you're taking away, I, th- I think it's a 30 or $40 million payout on these conference championship games. Like, that's a lot of money. A lot of money. And so the idea of taking that away, that's taking money out of all the other schools' pockets that aren't advancing to the college football playoff. The same thing is true if you say, hey, let's cut down one of those non-conference games. If you cut down one of the non-conference games and you're only putting four more teams in, that's eight teams get guaranteed of playing one of these college football playoffs. And even if you make it up to half the teams and say, okay, you get to host a home game. That's only four teams get to host a home game, get to fill up their stadiums and fill up their hotels, as opposed to 60 teams getting to do so if you continue with what you're doing. Do I think it's a perfect system? No. Do I think eight is the perfect number? I do. But I also realize that we're getting to the point where we're playing too many games. And just as is the case with the NFL. Like the NFL, I don't believe they actually care about player safety with the 18 games. I don't. What I think they realize is 18 games, we run the risk of our star quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers not being healthy. And that's not the product we want on the field during the most important time. And that's the same exact thing with college football. Do I think they legitimately care about the individual kid? Probably not. Probably not. Those guys are those guys would play 50 games if they could. The problem becomes whether it's the Saquon Barkley's or um, like you name it. You name the player, they get to the college football playoff, they get hurt, they get dinged. It's not your best product, it's not your best teams, and it's not a good look for those kids that you want to be excelling in the National Football League to get hurt in their last game. 
There's a lot more to it than just, why don't they just add four more teams? A lot of games. A lot of injuries. And there's a... Um, there's a, a football ecosystem that just works with the guarantee games where Nickel State comes in and takes a whooping. Nickel State takes home a big million-dollar check. And LSU ends up filling up their coffers for all their local restaurants, all their local businesses, their local hotels. They get a win. They get to develop their team. They, get a little, they feel good about themselves. And they get to play some of their younger players. Everybody needs it. Everybody needs a blowout. It's a get-right game. You get your stats right. You get your feelings right. And you get ready for a real game to a team that can beat you. And blowing those off and eliminating those, you're cha- you're dramatically changing the ecosystem of sports, or of the sport. So. No punishment yet for a star in the NFL. I'll have details for you next. I actually, I'm coming around to the, uh, I actually should have changed my take on the, I'm probably going to change on the hater deal. So make sure he doesn't, Big Mike doesn't roll with it. I just think this is a sign that fans, this is, this is kind of what you're up against if you're the NFL. If fans are stupid. If, what, what fans end up doing is they end up turning what is like, like, look, He's, he's not only an idiot for tweeting that, he's an idiot for not deleting it. And they'll go, oh, no deletes. Like, why is it bad to delete something that's that stupid, that's repugnant? But the fact that people support him, like, that's what you're up against. That's what, that's what half the country thinks. They really think, like, the bad people are the media, but, you know? Yep, I'll do it on Colin. Under the ecosystem as well. Dude, did you see the new um, Sasha Baron Cohen show? Oh, my God. I mean, it's unbelievable. These people are unbelievable. All right, here we go. Uh, promo. Three, two, one. Coming up Tuesday in the Doug Gottlieb Show. Coming up today in the Doug Gottlieb Show, Ennis Cantor of the Knicks joins me in studio. I'll get his thoughts on the Thunder, his thoughts on the Knicks, his thoughts on playing with Russ and why Paul George decided to stay in Oklahoma City. Plus, Astros manager A.J. Hinch joins the show. I'll ask him if it's as enjoyable to try and get back to the World Series as it was to online shopping can be confusing. Well, not anymore with true price from true car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car. So visit true car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Doug Gottlieb show Fox sports radio. Um, I just say this, Dan Beyer kind of had a little bit of an epiphany. You know, we all think that we know how sports fans feel, and we all think that most of us have a kind of a reasonable sense about us. Mm-hmm. But I, I do think that, like, one of the geniuses to the guy who occupies 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue is he's identified kind of Brewer fan in that 
Like, look, I, I grew up, in, I, I was born in Milwaukee. You grew up in the state of Wisconsin. I, I'd like to believe that, I, I hope that most people who cheered for Josh Hader aren't racist. But I do think that they fall victim to this thing to which we have in our country, which is, like, we're, we so, it's not just supporting our guy, but it's the idea of how dare the media go through his tweets. Like, the media didn't go through his tweets. Somebody put it out there. But what we've done is we've this is this is the ultimate sin of what was created from the last election. Right. Somehow the word fake false media, fake media, whatever, has become kind of a thing, a saying we even joke about it. But it's tongue in cheek here. But 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 people would rather be critical of going through somebody's old tweets, which like, look, Josh Hader, if you if you're dumb enough to tweet that stuff out when you're 17, you should be smart enough at 24 in the in the bigs. To go back and go like, hey, should I go? I, should, I need to go clean this stuff up, <laughs> right? And we're actually cheering for that dude? Uh, great, you answered all the questions. Great, you might not actually be a racist. But that's some pr- repugnant stuff. And I just, there's this section. That's what NFL players are up against. It's not even necessarily fans who disagree with them, but they just want to cheer for the. They just want to disagree to disagree. I don't know if I'm making any sort of sense, no, but no, that's, you are. That's, the, yeah. that's kind of what we we we, yep. we we've created this generation of older people who they're they're so they're so uh, upset about all the other things to which they kind of don't get the evolution of society and the evolution of media that they look. I get that all the time. Well, you and your Skip Bayless, and like, look, you don't have to like Skip Bayless. I work at the same company as Skip Bayless. Uh, he is financially, but we're not, we don't share the same thoughts, the same feelings. We don't act the same way. Our shows are not the same, but you get lumped in with it. And I think we lump in media and other things with it. Let's get to the press. The press. All right. Sorry, Byron. Pinch your right. you we're going to be here, there, and everywhere. First in the NFL, Bills running back LaShawn McCoy will be at camp Wednesday. His offseason, interesting to say the least. He's accused of arranging a home invasion at the home of his ex-girlfriend. She was assaulted in that crime. McCoy hasn't been charged in the matter. There's been no action from the NFL, so he'll reportedly be at camp on Wednesday. All right. So the, the, the accusation is that he sent somebody into her house to beat her up. And to take some of the stuff back that that belonged that he says belonged to other people, correct? Yes, but right. he hasn't he hasn't been charged in the matter in the NFL. They could do you know they could put him on the commissioner's list. Remember that exempt list that hasn't been done. So McCoy's going to be there for camp on Wednesday. Uh, Got it. Dodgers placed Justin Turner on the ten day DL with a strained right groin, so that means Manny Machado gets to play third base in Turner's absence. Well, I mean, added bonus to having Machado, right? Is that you got it? You not only have a shortstop, but you got a third baseman. He comes just in the nick of time, especially considering how much they struggled without him early this season. Dwight Howard introduced today as a member of the Washington Wizards, and this is how it went down. Well, uh, actually, I was joking with uh, my trainer uh, earlier today, and I thought it'd be fitting. Uh, but we were just talking about how you know I started with the magic. So I learned magic for eight years. Travel to La La Land, learn how to work with rockets. Uh, <laughs> and I went and learned how to fly with some hawks. Got stung by the hornets. <laughs> Just a joke. <laughs> but <laughs> through all of that, you know, it's taught me how to be a wizard, you know. Uh, so. <laughs> Cannot win with them. 
And he's still a champion. That's the weirdest dude ever. Like he actually, and the, the idea that his trainer, that his trainer thought it was funny enough for him to share at a press conference and didn't say, that's funny. You know, you should probably not say that out loud. It doesn't come out the way you think. It just proves the trainer is not his friend. He's simply a trainer. And he'll, he'll retire as a bull because of all the BS that he said. Um, <laughs> oh. Yeah, how about that? Uh, finally, TMZ reports that Hornets owner Michael Jordan was spotted in Italy today, Doug, in a pair of low-top Jordans. The AJ1 Lows don't have a swoosh, aren't available in stores, and are only made for Michael Jordan himself. How about those I mean, shoes? He doesn't call them the Jordans. He calls them the Mies. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Very good. Hey, get out there and press. That was the press. I love that the odds have gone down for the Rockets in Vegas for them to win the NBA title since they are reportedly going to add Carmelo Anthony. You've heard of addition by subtraction. That's what the Oklahoma City Thunder got when they bought him out or they traded him to the Atlanta Hawks. This is the rare subtraction by addition. Congrats to Houston, who I heard Chris Broussard say he's maybe the greatest player in the history of USA basketball. No, he's not. They won the silver. They won the bronze medal in 04. This is the Doug Gottlieb show on Fox Sports Radio. Uh, tomorrow, what we have tomorrow? We have Ennis Cantor in studio, right, tomorrow? And A.J. Hinch will join us as well. Keep it locked right here to Fox Sports Radio. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month no matter what kind of entertainment you love addicted to true crime catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on a e crime central crave adventure explore asian action movies on hayah searching for something extreme check out skating snowboarding and more on fuel tv plus the global home of action sports and find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's hit nation playlist there's new free shows and movies to love every week say free this week in your xfinity voice remote With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. 
Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.